Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 11. And uh, we want to continue with something that we've been looking at uh, in, in studying, seeking the Lord about what to, to minister. Uh, I had something that uh, I had really worked on most of the day. And uh, uh, not that, that I felt like maybe the Lord wanted me to minister that tonight. Uh, I, I really knew he wanted me to minister on this. But we, uh, a couple of uh, services ago, we ministered on moving forward in forgiveness. And we ministered on that part one. We want to continue that tonight. Uh, and one of the reasons is the Lord said to me, he said, there are things I want to do for people in 2024, and I need them to have certain things in place so that they're ready, all right? And the Lord said to us in the word that he gave us for 2024, um, the second paragraph, he said, 2024 will require spiritual maturity. And he said, it will require that believers grow, and he said, in the word, in the spirit, in love, and in peace. Oh, hallelujah. And then in the, the last paragraph, he said, um, for the believer who will walk and live in the Spirit, for the believer who will make peace the order of the day, there will be smooth sailing. There will be waves on either side of the boat, yet they're protected by a bubble of peace. They will walk in health, total prosperity, and total victory. There will be no peace in 2024 for the wicked, but for the believer, 2024 will be a year that peace reigns, victory flows, and love wins. All right, love wins. And so in 2024, forgiveness is the way forward. Forgiveness is the way forward. In Mark chapter 11, Hallelujah. And verse 23, Jesus said, Truly I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have them. And when you pray, stand praying, forgive. If you have aught or if you have anything against any, notice that if you have anything against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Hallelujah. Now, there are many hindrances in the New Testament, but this is the only one Jesus specifically mentioned, all right? This is the only one he specifically mentioned in the Gospels. Notice what he says. He says, first of all, that we speak to the mountain, and if we believe in our heart and don't doubt, the mountain will move. We'll have what we say. Then he says in verse 24, he said, and when you pray, believe that you receive what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have them. And then he says, and when you're praying, praying and believing that you have received. Right? See, I'm praying that I believe I receive. And he said, notice, if you have all against any, forgive so that your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, may forgive you. So believing and forgiving go hand in hand. 
All right, believing and forgiving go hand in hand. Here's why. Forgiving empowers your faith because forgiveness is born of love. All right, forgiving empowers your faith because forgiveness is born of love. This is so important because love expands the channel so we can receive the full expression of what God wants us to walk in. All right? That's why notice, notice how important it is that Jesus says, look, you're speaking to the mountain, you're believing that what you say will come to pass, and then you go to pray because you believe that what you say comes to pass, and you're praying and you believe that you receive. He says, then I need you, if you need to, I need you to forgive Right, so, so that what? So that channel can be open. Right? He says that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Here's how I like to say this. There's things God can't do for me if I won't forgive because it produces a blockade. Amen. Now, you can't get around that verse because it's in red. Jesus said it. Right? But we're not trying to get around it. We're, we're working on complying with it. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. That's so important. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, uh, kind of a familiar verse, but it's so important because Paul is talking to a, a group of people here that... Uh, I have a teaching on this uh, entire, I taught through the book of Galatians all the way through every chapter and verse by verse teaching. And Paul is dealing with a group of people here that were, brought, they're, they're Gentiles and they'd brought, been brought into the kingdom by grace through faith. And then the Judaizers came in and said, this is what you need to start doing. All right, you've got to keep the feast days. You've got to observe dietary laws. Uh, you've got to observe other customs. You've got to observe circumcision. Uh, if you don't, then you're not born again. You didn't really get saved, all right? They're not saying that, that Jesus isn't the Savior. They're saying all this other goes into it as well. And notice what Paul says. He says, for in Jesus Christ, all right, that's where we are. We're in Christ. And he says that neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision but faith which works by love, all right? Faith which works by love. Now, this is so important because the Weiss Bible says, neither of those things is of any power, but faith coming to effective expression through love. So he's saying the customs, the feast days, the dietary laws, these other things, he says they're of no effect whatsoever where your, your, your Christian life is concerned, he says what matters is your faith that comes to full expression through love. All right? It comes to full expression through love. So the fullest expression of faith occurs in an atmosphere of love. That's the fullest expression of faith that you're going to find is in an atmosphere of love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So whatever the mountain is, it's moved by faith-filled words. And for faith to express itself fully enough to move the mountain, it has to be fueled and empowered by love. Love is the energy source. The word is the source of faith. Love is what fuels it. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's, it's a simple analogy, and, and maybe one day all cars would just be one big battery. I don't know, but right now we have a good thing going, all right? But here, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how new your car is, how new your engine is. Here's the thing. If you don't have a good battery, it's not going to run, right? And, and you can have the largest cubic inch. You can, you can have a big 454 cubic inch engine. And if your battery's dead, a little four-cylinder will sure outrun you because, because there, there, there's, there's no way for that big engine to express itself. 
right? See, this is so important because it's the way forward. And so what happens, that's why, and I won't take a lot of time with this, but that's why 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2 says that you can have all faith so that you could remove mountains, but if you don't have love, then I'm nothing. It profits me nothing. In other words, I'm there and I've got all this faith and I've got all this potential and all this ability, but there's no way to express it because I don't have love. Hallelujah. That's so important. And glory to God. Moving mountains in 1 Corinthians 13 too, moving mountains is not the point. Love is. Notice if I have all faith so I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. All right? The Amplified Bible says I, I am, I'm, I'm useless. All right? I'm a useless nobody. This is so important. All right? Because, because very often the focus, and it should be, look, we're faith builders. Our, uh, the vision of our church is to build faith and frame worlds by the Word of God. So it, 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 it would... Uh, uh, it would be um, significant then that we have to focus on the love walk as well, on forgiveness. If we're going to build faith and frame worlds, this is integral. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 too, that if I don't have love, I'm a useless nobody. Now that, now that, that can sound harsh, but understand what, is, what he's saying. All the faith you have is useless. All the faith you have is making no headway. Why? Because there's no love. Hallelujah. I've, I've been around people before that had a strong faith message and a weak love walk, and they were hard to be around. Because, because all that talk about faith and all that talk about I believe God and, and, and quoting the word, then when it come down to it, there was no love walk. There was no forgiving. Amen. I'm not talking about problems that may be going on in your life, you know, you know, whatever it may be. But here's the, here's the issue: that if I'm if I'm going to have a strong faith walk, all right. If I don't have a strong love walk to back it up, then it's kind of a paper tiger. Amen. That's important because what God wants to bring us in 2024, He said to us twice in that word is much of it's going to be predicated on our love walk. And on our ability to stay in peace. If you hold yourself in love, you'll hold yourself in peace. That, that's just the reality of it. And the enemy will try to come and he tries to get you out of peace by getting you out of love, by getting you over maybe into unforgiveness or thinking about what somebody did or thinking about this or that. What he's trying to do is get you out of, out of your peace. Understand that there's nothing the enemy can do about anything God wants to do in your life. He can't stop anything. He can't, he can't do it. He has to have our aid to do that. And the only way he can do that is through distractions. Amen. And, and when people start acting up, hear me, it's a big distraction. Because there can be people in your family and people in your life that aren't walking as close to God as they should. And so they open up the door to the enemy in their life. And then the enemy tries to distract you through them. It can be people on your job. It could be your neighbor. It could be your whatever. But, but recognize it as a distraction and walk in forgiveness. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you see that? Love gives context to faith. See, I cannot fully understand faith without love. Because love gives context to faith. In context, what Paul's saying is this. If I have love, my faith profits me. Without love, there's no profit to my faith. Hallelujah. Brother Hagin would always tell the story about a, a, a prominent minister in the Voice of Healing Days. And I, I've heard from my father and, and, and other ministers that were around then that this man had the most outstanding miracles in his uh, uh, ministry 
of anybody during that, that time frame. I mean, had the world's largest tent. I mean, I, I watched a, a video of him. Lady came and had a big cancer on her face. And, and he laid hands on that cancer and cursed that cancer and just peeled it off of her face and held it in his hand. I mean, powerful, powerful miracles. But the Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, you need to go tell him that he needs to deal with him himself in three different areas or he's going to cut his life short. And one of the main ones was his love walk towards other ministers. He decided to start a church in Dallas, Texas, and he called two ministers that were members of the Voice of Healing uh, group, and he said, I'm going to start a church in, uh, in Dallas. And they said, well, where are you going to get the members? He said, from your churches. And he did. And the Lord said, if, if he doesn't deal with himself, about his love walk with other ministers, he's going to cut his life short. At 39, he went to heaven. Never dealt with himself. He never dealt with himself about that. See, that, now, now understand, that's not a threat. I'm just saying, notice what unforgiveness, a lack of love, will open the door for. Right? It, things that the enemy wants to bring in. This is so important because there's so much in the world today about, about not letting people walk on you and standing up for your rights and, and you have this and, and you're entitled to this and you're this and you're that. The, the Bible's 100% adverse to that. Well, you mean the Bible wants, to let people, wants me to let people walk on me? Listen, it's, listen there, there are boundaries that you set up. My forgiveness may not change them, but it benefits me. That's the key, all right? And so what people say and what people think is you allowing people to walk on you is actually you empowering your faith for what God wants to bring into your life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So that man, his faith walk was outstanding, yet his lack of love cost him. See, this is important. We walk by faith in love. The Bible tells us at, uh, 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 at least three times, twice in the New Testament and once in the Old Testament, that we walk by faith. We live by faith. Paul tells us in Corinthians that that's how we regulate our lives, is by faith, and we do it in love. Walk by faith in love. I've said this a lot lately. None of my business. None of my business. People say, what about so? None of my business. None of my business. See, I've got to hold myself in that place of forgiveness. Yeah, but you help them and then none of my business. Right? I'm not doing that to get anything from anybody. I'm not helping anybody to get anything. This is important. Love powers faith. So to be excellent in faith, be excellent in love. To be excellent in faith, be excellent in love. Let's, let's look at Matthew 18. Y'all are here tonight, so you're going to get all of it. Amen. Now, these are, again, some familiar verses, but what the Lord is, is showing me is so important because I promise you, when you start, and I'm not saying you're not, but when a person, let me say that, when a person, somebody else, not you, when a person starts implementing these principles, it's amazing to me how quick doors start opening. Because, you know, all it takes is one adjustment. We used to have a, an old floor safe here in the church that we, that we kept documents in and whatnot. Somebody had, had bought it, and it was a neat safe. If you like old things, it was a neat safe. But uh, uh, you, you would turn the, 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 the dial and, uh, to get the combination, and when you'd come back on that last letter, on that last number, you had to, you had to jiggle the dial. 
to get it to the last number. It always worked, but you just had to jiggle the dial. And if somebody was trying to get in there that had never gotten in there before, they'd say, I can't get it to work. I, I put in what you told me to put in. Did you jiggle the dial? Right? But here's the thing. Here's what I'm trying to say. That one little adjustment opened the door. Just that one little adjustment. Right? I found in the, in, over the years, if, if I keep coming up against something, I need to look for a little adjustment. It's probably nothing major. It's something, it's something just a little adjustment that needs to be made. Right? You know, so many times... People will be driving down the road and they'll hear a noise in their car and they, they, they think it's something big every time. Wonder what that is. Oh, I hope it don't cost a lot of money. And then they generally, they generally go to the repair shop and they say, it's not that big of a deal. Generally. Right? It's important. And so what do you learn to do? You learn not to freak out over every little noise. Right? If, if Listen, you are people of the Spirit. And if you need to make an adjustment, the Holy Spirit will tell you what adjustment you need to make because the Holy Spirit wants you to succeed. God wants you to succeed. Amen. Hallelujah. In uh, Matthew 18, look at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him uh, till seven times. And Jesus said unto him, I do not say unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now, very often here, the focus is on the numbers, right? Meaning, Peter said seven times. Well, I don't know if there's anybody in here that had to forgive somebody seven times today. I didn't. Maybe you did. But here's the point. As a general rule, you don't have to forgive somebody seven times a day Every week, generally. All right? So what I'm saying is people focus on Peter's answer and go, yeah, Peter, you know, he was thinking only seven times. Only seven times, yet by our own admission, we probably do not forgive somebody seven times every day or have to. So that's a pretty big number. Right? But then Jesus said, I didn't say seven I said 70 times 7, which is obviously we know 490 times. And that's generally when everybody in the audience goes, ooh. All right? But the importance of the number that Jesus gave is this. Forgiveness is supposed to be a lifestyle. That's the importance of the number, not just the big number. It's a lifestyle. It's how we live. Hallelujah. And, and anything that Jesus asks us to do, he's given us the capacity to do it. Well, every time I think about that, or I think about that person, or I think it just, it just frustrates me all over again. Oh, I would say that's just another opportunity to forgive, but I need to say that is proof that I have not Truly forgiven. Yeah, but they haven't changed. Again, your forgiveness may not change them. But it frees you. Right? Remember what Jesus said? He said, if you're praying and you have anything against anybody, forgive them. Notice, he didn't say get up from your prayer and go talk to them. He said, forgive them. When? When you're praying. Yeah, but Jesus said, go to your brother. Jesus was talking about a person causing trouble in the church. And he said, if they're causing trouble in the church, go to them. And if they won't repent, take somebody else and go to them. He never told you to do that in your personal issues. Why? I can forgive. If you do me wrong and I'm praying and it comes up and I think about how you did me wrong, I can stop right there and say, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them in Jesus' name. And that settles the issue. I don't have to go to you. This is important. Why? Because, number one, he tells us how important forgiveness is, and then he tells us how easy forgiveness is. It's vital, but it's easy. 
Oh, hallelujah. Now, verse 23. Now, we're going to kind of skip through this parable because uh, for the sake of time, but I, I want you to see this. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king that would take account of his servants. So notice, he says, this is how the kingdom operates. All right? This is the operating system of the kingdom. Verse 24. He took account of his servants when he'd begun to reckon or when he'd begun to uh, reconcile the books. One was brought unto him that owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, the Goodspeed translation says $10 million. The Montgomery Bible says $15 million. Well, here's what I want you to understand. Especially in this day, there's no way for this man to pay this debt. He, he owed enough money that would equate to, whichever you believe, $15 million, 10 to $15 million. Now, for a lot of, that's, listen, that's maybe an unpayable debt today. But in that day, it's, he can't pay it. He cannot pay it. All right? And notice what he did. Oh, hallelujah. Before as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children all he had and payment to be made. Now notice, in that day, that was just. In that day, that was just. Okay, you can't pay what you owe me? Then we're going to put all of y'all in prison until you pay me what you owe me. That was just. But now, no, now, I'm not saying it's okay for us. I'm saying, notice what he said was the ultimate destination of this man, prison. Right? And the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. I will pay you all. The Lord of that servant, notice, was moved with compassion. Now, this is important. Compassion is mercy or love in action. All right? Compassion acts. I taught a series called Built by Mercy. And notice, moved with compassion, loosed him and forgave him the debt. Ooh, glory. Loosed him and forgave him the debt. When, 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 when it says he loosed him, he released him. From what? His bondage and what he owed him. In other words, you don't owe me anything, and because you don't owe me anything, you're no longer eligible to pay for it. See, unforgiveness is this. It's someone holding something against someone, making them pay for what they did to them. This was legitimate. This man owed him that money. Does that make, are you with me? Somebody might have legitimately did you wrong. But notice what compassion, love, and mercy does. Notice, it looses that person. I want you to recognize this, this king received no benefit from that. All the benefit was to the person who was forgiven. Right? Now, now why is this so important? Because... Because this is us. Especially before Christ. That we owed a debt we couldn't pay. There was no way we could pay it. But the Lord forgave us. And freed us. Expecting, watch, expecting nothing from us. Nothing. Nothing. You know, I've heard people say, well, God saved you. He expects you to live for him. Well, you need to find me that scripture. 
He, he said, I forgave you the debt that you had against me. And then he said, now love one another and forgive them like I forgave you. The expectation that God puts on us is to walk in love. Oh, it's important. Oh, hallelujah. And notice verse 28. But the same servant. Now, now I know this may be redundant. The same servant. The same servant that owed between 10 and 15 million dollars that fell down on his knees and said, I don't have any money to pay you, but be patient and I'll pay you back. That same servant that the Lord had compassion on and forgave. That same servant went out and found. Now watch. If you find something, you're looking for it. Right? You went looking. So he went looking for this guy. And notice, this is important. He's his fellow servant. Not just somebody, a fellow servant. The Bible calls you and I as believers fellow servants. That's why the Bible tells us consistently to walk in brotherly love, to let brotherly love continue, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake forgave you, why, you're my fellow believer, you're my fellow servant, you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. So this wasn't somebody that he had minimal knowledge of. This was somebody he operated and worked with day in and day out. And he owed him a hundred pence. Now, the best translation I could find on that is this, a few dollars. One man said about 20 bucks. But a few dollars. Well, you know, a few dollars could be less than 20 bucks. Could be three bucks, two bucks, I don't know. Maybe it was more significant than, but here's my point. This man that went and found him had been forgiven of between 10 and 15 million dollars. And he went and found this man hmm, and laid hands on him and took him by the throat. The Weiss Bible says went to choking him, saying, pay me what you owe. Hmm. And his fellow servant, I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't pull any punches. He kept reminding us this was his fellow servant. Oh, that's important. You know, I don't know about you, but I've been in churches before where people on this side wouldn't forgive people on this side. And that's why they sat on different sides. It's not funny. It's deadly. Because they would sit here and both be, and both be uh, acting like they were both worshiping the same God and didn't like each other and wouldn't forgive each other. Hallelujah. That, that's, why, that's why the Bible says, the Bible says when we all come together, it's a love feast. We're, we're walking in love with each other. Amen. I can forgive you of anything if I just choose to. Hallelujah. I had a lady one time, I was, I was teaching on love, teaching on forgiveness, and she had never been here before. And uh, so obviously I didn't know her. I wasn't gunning for her anything of that nature, and, and I was ministering on, on how love, you know, forgiveness was a prerequisite, and she met me at the back there, and she said, so are you telling me that I have to forgive the person that abused me? And I stopped for a moment. I learned years ago not to just say something quickly. I kind of looked on the inside, and I said, dear sister, I'm not telling you you have to, but I'm telling you if you're ever going to be free, you must. And she just looked at me and said, well, you don't know what they did to me and walked out. Well, I'm not making light of her situation. 
But that was a rescue. Right? Do you understand that? Because, listen, when, when I demand to hold unforgiveness against someone, I'm not harming them. I'm locking myself up because they're not even thinking about it. They don't care. If they cared, they wouldn't have hurt you. If they cared, they wouldn't have done you wrong. Do you understand? Unless it was unknowing. You know, I've unknowingly hurt people's feelings before. I didn't know. And then it was up to me to go say, please forgive me. Well, they shouldn't have had their feelings on their sleeve. That's irrelevant. See, that's, that's another thing. Well, well they, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't be so touchy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did I hurt them? Well, yeah, I hurt them. But, you know, after all, I mean, it wasn't that big a deal. To you, it wasn't that big of a deal. To them, it was a big deal. Well, they need to grow up. Well, then maybe you need to grow up and go sow some forgiveness. See, this is so important because I've had people say that. I've counseled marriages for 25 years, and I got 26 this year, and uh, I've got more wisdom now to do it than I've ever had, but here's, here's the point. Here's the point. I've had people come again and again and again and again. Well, you don't know, you don't know what they did, and, and, and I, one or the other, him or her, would say, well, Come on, really, that's not that big of a deal to you. Think about this for a moment. If it bothers your spouse, why don't you just quit? And I've heard people say, because it's not that big of a deal. So you're going to harm your marriage for something that's not that big of a deal. If it's not that big of a deal, quit. Oh, hallelujah. Right? But at the, on the same token, I've, I've, I've counseled marriages. Well, they just wouldn't forgive. I don't think I can get past this. Oh, you can. You just have to want to. See, forgiveness looks at the bigger picture. Forgiveness looks at the bigger picture. When, when I stood before God, and made a covenant with that man or that woman, and, and traditional wedding vows, and, and I don't use traditional wedding vows, but just for the sake of teaching, traditional wedding vows, you know what they are, right? Uh, 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 for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, right? Until death do we part, right? I don't, I don't use that a lot, but it's, it's, it's good to look at that. Ephesians says that you don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That means you don't let the sun go down that you don't ask them to forgive you. Right? That, see, that does away with all that junk that the world talks about. Oh, it was cold in there the other night because you wouldn't ask for forgiveness. This is so important. Taking a week to get over things. And then they really didn't get over it. Just one of them finally gave in. Nope. You, you got to learn that. The, mo the moment, the moment it is said, the moment I make the statement, the moment I see that it was a problem, I got to stop at that moment. Say, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I, I, forgive me. I'm sorry. I apologize. Right? Amen. Well, I don't know that they'll receive it. It's not up to them. Listen, it's not about them receiving it. This is important. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, when I first started pastoring this church and Pastor Kathleen was here and Brother Buzz was here and we won't name names, amen, most of them are in heaven today. I believe they went to heaven. But here's the point. There were people, and Kathleen can verify this, that would fight over the border in the nursery. You know what they were fighting over? Teddy bears or trains? Am I lying? 
And there was a faction, a teddy bear faction, and a train faction. And they disliked each other because of that. Wow. And, and, and they would come to church and wonder why the Holy Spirit wouldn't move on them. Wonder why things wouldn't go the way it was supposed to go. Wonder why their body was sick. God wasn't mad at them. There were people getting healed all around them. There were people getting set free all around them. But nothing changed for them because they were dogged determined to have their teddy bear or their train. And that person, that person withstands everything I want to do. And they wouldn't forgive. And, and I watched them. I, I watched them one by one get sick. I watched them one by one fall apart. Not everybody that got sick was in unforgiveness, but what I'm trying to explain to you is, is I watched those ringleaders one by one. Everything fell apart in their life. Their health fell apart. Their finances fell apart. Why? It's the inevitable result of not forgiving. Not going to forgive. I want, I want what I want. Amen. And the only way, the only way you can stop that was just say, okay, we're not changing nothing. Amen. Well, you can't live that way. You can't live that way. Am I, am I making sense? And see, that, that, was, that was the problem. That was the, pro that was the problem with those people, and that's the problem in so many people's Christian walk. You, there should be nobody in your life or in your, in your realm of existence that you see that makes you so angry you can't stand to be around them. Right? And so you know what? There, there are people I choose not to be around. Not because I haven't forgiven them, but because they haven't changed. And, right? And if they're going to keep transgressing, I'm, I'm going to keep forgiving them, but eventually it becomes a distraction. Amen. That's all free. And his fellow servant fell at his feet and besought him or begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Notice that's the same exact statement he made. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Oh, Hallelujah. Notice, when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were sorry, came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, Notice what he calls unforgiveness, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt uh, because you desired or you begged me. Should you not also have had, here's the word, compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? Oh, my goodness. Do you see that? And his Lord was wroth with him, angry, and delivered him to the torturers till he should pay all that was due unto him, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do to you if you from your hearts do not forgive everyone their brother their trespassing. Now, that doesn't mean that God is going to deliver you up to a torturer. It means that there are things that God can't get you out of if you won't forgive. Oh, hallelujah. Because everything you need to get out of or move away from will require faith. And everything that requires faith requires love. And everything that requires love requires forgiveness. It's, it's a chain reaction. Now, I, I want you to see something. When, when he talks here about 10 to $15 million or $20, here's what the Bible's trying to get across to us to help us see. No matter how big, or how small I can forgive. 
if it's something big or something little. Amen. Something big or something little. Now, I, uh, you know, over the years, I haven't had too many people get really upset with me in the ministry. Really. I did have one brother, and, and uh, I've told the story about him taking out newspaper ads about me, printing up T-shirts about me. And, uh, I mean, he, he talked about everything from Pastor Michelle and I preaching together to prosperity to whatever. Took out a quarter-page newspaper ad every, every week. They, they used to print the DeSoto, I forget, was it the Examiner, the DeSoto Examiner? I think so. Anyway, every week, and there'd be his column, Deacon's Rights. Amen. And, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Kathleen's mother, Jean, was our treasurer at the time, and she came in with the paper one day, and, and there was never a sweeter person than Jean Tillery. Now, she'd have you told in some areas, but, but she was kind and sweet, just a sweet woman. And uh, uh, she came in very sweetly and put that paper on my table, and said, Pastor, have you seen this? I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, what are you going to do about that? And I said, Gene, I'm not going to do anything because it's a lie. I can't do anything about a lie. And she said, well, I just hate that they're doing that to you. I said, well, I don't like it, but there's nothing I can do about it. And, and wouldn't you know, the next, it was the next Sunday or, or a couple Sundays down the road, I don't remember. I was sitting in the office there. I had the door open I was so I could hear praise and worship. I used to stay out of the sanctuary until praise and worship was over, and then I would come in, and uh, uh, praise and worship was still going on, and this, this brother came to get him a drink of water, and I could see him, and the Lord said, uh, go ask him to forgive you. Now, I don't tell the Lord no, but I did want to say, is there somebody else up there? Right? So, but I did. I got up and I went to him. I said, Brother, I need to ask you to forgive me. Please forgive me. I didn't know what I was asking him to forgive me for. I just, that's all I knew. And, you know, he looked at me and, you know, you, you, you really wanted, well, yes, Pastor, I'll forgive you and, and, and forgive me too, you know, and blah, blah, blah. I didn't get that. I got, of course, and he walked off. You know, now I'm left there with two options. I didn't do anything to him. You know, that's what I want to say. I didn't do nothing. What am I asking forgiveness for? But the minute he walked away, I knew I'm free. I'm free. I don't know what his problem was, right? But I can forgive big or little. Why? Because I see it here in the scripture. Amen. Unforgiveness is freedom. When I'm willing to forgive, whatever the other person did has no effect on me. In, in other words, I can't change them, but I can forgive them. I, I do something every day. I release my family into the flow of forgiveness. Every day. Every day. Because the book of Psalm, chapter 103, it says uh, uh, to forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. And I pray every day over my children, over my family. I say, Lord, I release my children today into the flow of forgiveness. I release my family into the flow of forgiveness. Why? Because whether they're doing something or not, I want that constant flow of forgiveness flowing in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes parents will come to me and say, we need, will you pray with me about my son or my daughter? And the first thing I say is, have you forgiven them? Because you've got to forgive them. Well, you know they're not living right. Forgive them. Right? You've got to forgive them. That's the first thing you've got to do. Oh, hallelujah. Because I can't change them, but I can forgive them. In many cases... I can't see how to adequately help if I don't forgive. Because 
Unforgiveness blinds because it's just focused on what was done and not on what needs to be done. It blinds. Hallelujah. But because we see here that the several million dollars was forgiven and the few dollars was forgiven, if it's a small thing or a large thing, I can forgive it. And let me close with this. And you might have to forgive by faith. You might have to forgive by faith. But once you do it, it's done. Amen. And every, every time that thought comes up, you say, no, 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 I forgave him. I forgave him. Amen. And especially if somebody accuses you of something you didn't do, you really got to walk in forgiveness. And you got to remind yourself, number one, I didn't do that. But then there's two things. You, you got to forgive them for saying it and forgive them for lying. But if you do it, it releases you into a whole other flow. No, nobody can hinder my prosperity because I won't fail to forgive. Amen. Mm, hallelujah. And it was just a big distraction anyway. Amen. Now, now, now I'll, I'll finish with this. I know there are things that happen that are painful, and I understand that. And I'm not denying the pain. I'm not making light of that. But what I'm saying is if you ever want to get over that, you got to forgive. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand up tonight, shall we?